SX1, go. SX2 and 3, stand by. Go. Hi everybody, and welcome to Cinephile, a podcast about movies, musicals, and movie musicals. I'm Heather. And I'm Olivia, and we're recent Queen's University grads who both share a love for film and theater. We would like to acknowledge the land on which we gather. Where I, Olivia, live is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. In particular, I acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Ojibwe and Chippewa peoples. The land that is home to the Métis, and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, Indigenous peoples inhabited and cared for this land, and continue to do so today. I also wanted to acknowledge the land that I reside on, and as quoted from the City of Vaughan Aboriginal Territorial Acknowledgement, I respectfully acknowledge that I'm situated on traditional territories and treaty lands, in particular those of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nation, as well as the Anishinaabeg of the Williams Treaty First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, and the Métis Nation. As representatives of the people of the City of Vaughan, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to work and live in this territory. We encourage all our listeners to research which lands you are situated on and learn about the history behind colonial settlers and indigenous peoples. In this episode, we're revisiting mixing mediums, but this time we'll be discussing original movie musicals, which started as movies. Movie musicals overall tend to work better than musicals that are adapted into movies because they are originally made with that movie format in mind. However, if they make the transition to stage, the transition tends to be smoother and most of the time they even work better. We will discuss why this may be by looking at Mary Poppins, The Greatest Showman, La La Land, and Newsies. Additionally, why we feel these particular movie musicals either work or don't work, and if they don't have a stage musical adaptation, what that could look like. So... I guess Mary Poppins is first mm-hmm. here, so... Because it's one of the best. Yes. I love Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. I honestly don't know anybody who has ever said, I don't like Mary Poppins. And if they ever said that, I would ask them, Why? Same. I mean, first of all, Julie Andrews, she, she like she just made Mary Poppins such an iconic character. Exactly. Um, and so shoes to fill. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I know, like a lot of people were talking about that when they made Mary Poppins two, right? Or Mary Poppins Returns or whatever, um, yeah. with Emily Blunt. Yeah. And uh, side note on that. I think Emily Blunt did a really good job. She didn't she copy did. Julie. It, she like she made it her own. And I remember like watching an interview with her, and she said that she really took from the books as inspiration for her Mary Poppins, who was more yes. like stern and rude, I guess. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Julie's Mary Poppins has a very like g- more gentle attitude to her, but I found Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins strict i guess more teacher like you know what else i was thinking about was that they had for the burt roles and in either films they both had americans do it and you can tell yeah you can very very clearly tell that he's putting on an accent very much so 
I was watching some bits of the the stage musical last night. I even noticed that like the one woman who was playing Mary Poppins, her Mary Poppins was much sterner as well. Um, uh, and I know the stage musical, they, of course, it was adapted from the movie, but it says, like, if you look it up, that they adapted it from the book as well. Um, and I, I think they did a pretty good job of adapting it. Like, I know Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I know that was... I think that was done on like green screen yeah. or whatever because they they added in like yeah. those animated people and the penguins and stuff like that. They yeah in the stage show they go to like a conversation shop or something. That's what they called it. Um, and they get the words and there's like eccentric people there, which I thought was fun and I thought that was like a good way to still sort of incorporate that. And, I, and it was very Mary Poppins and without reading the books, like that reasonably could have been in there. That kind of also brings an interesting point because um, kind of speaking to the stage adaptation, there is no green screen. So you kind of have to work around what mm-hmm. the movie had versus what the uh, movie to the musical adaptation would have, which is live theater mainly mm-hmm. <laughs> and sets and props and costumes, but not as much not as much green screen Hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting to like think about it the other way around because they would have been able to have like more magical elements and i mean like yeah. with mary poppins too they very magical it's very magical because you know technology's advanced but in the 60s obviously they didn't have yeah. that but they still had those still sort of like good. magical elements of it like when the blocks like come back in Jane's hands obviously they just yeah. reversed the, the film but you know if for a kid it looks very magical and you know the bird that's on that's on Mary's hands yeah. and spoonful of sugar like yeah in the show that would have had to have worked differently but I don't think they have that moment in the show but yeah it's just yeah it's funny to think that like those changes would have had to be made but it it works it works really well yeah it does I think also because it's just such a good um, story, and it's such a good and like uh, what sort it like works for everybody type of show. Mm-hmm. So you could be a kid and find it just super like magical, as you were saying, or even if you're an adult, you can still find the magic. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think that has to do with sort of just that's that's the way the story's told yeah. is is you get the sense that it's being told through Jane and Michael's perspective. Um yeah. although like Mary comes in, they don't really see exactly what Mary's doing. Um and uh, and I know and they touch on this more in Mary Poppins too about how like when you get older you can't see the magic anymore right or or they're like oh adults forget about it um, uh. yeah I think that's really like it, it's really evident in the first film that there is this sort of like magic that only like Jane and Michael can see and so True. I think when that's translated to the show that magical element that like seeing the world through the child's eyes like the audience is able to see the world through their eyes and so everything's big and fantastical and there's bright colors and and it's just it's really nice to see that 
And I think I think that's one of the reasons why it works so well. Yeah, there's that weird like, well, do the kids only see it or like what's what's happening? But I think when you bring it into the stage, everybody yeah, everybody sees it from the kids' perspective, which is an interesting perspective because often you'd see things from the adult perspective or like the uh the glass half empty perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think when you watch it from the kids, you you feel like a kid in a sense too. Mm-hmm. And one thing I I think that's clear in in both films is that Mary Poppins is there for the children, but she's really there for the adults. Yeah. And True. you see it more in Mary Poppins too because we know Jane and Michael already, and we care about them already. Whereas like, you know, when you're a kid and you watch the first Mary Poppins. You don't care about the parents. You're just like, oh, they're mean and they don't care and they, they don't spend time with, with Jane and Michael. But like when you get older, I think even because Michael is a much more loving father too. But yeah, it's just it's just kind of – it's it's interesting. It, when you watch it on stage, the I find that the, the childlike perspective really comes through mm-hmm. a lot more maybe because – I think that's just the differences between the 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 movie versus the musical adaptation version of it on the stage. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also sort of what we talked about last week about how in film everything is is very realistic, and so theater works well in that way to bring out the unrealistic and the fantastical elements. So. Um, and another thing I noticed about Mary Poppins too was they literally they did the exact same formula as Mary Poppins one. Yes. With Jack and Bert and then the Marys and then the Zach. children and then the adults who, who need help. Yeah, the, the disbelief. Um, and although it is a different story, they they really did they really did do the same thing twice. Pretty much, yeah. I guess maybe one of the differences was just they were dealing with, like, more adult themes, I guess, like death and relationships even. And I think, I feel like the first leaned a little more into the whimsical, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then the the second leaned a little more into the realism. But still, obviously, there's, like, that whole number when they're in the, they're in the, the, what is it, the bowl. Mm -hmm. And I... I think like part of that is that in the first one it was it was I think it was more the parents who needed true who needed to change like the children clearly like the reason why they couldn't keep their nannies like we see this in so many other films and movies and everything is because they just wanted attention from their parents yeah um and it it wasn't it wasn't the same way in Mary Poppins too it was it was um you know, the mother had died and the father was just struggling to keep the family together and the children had yeah. to take on all this responsibility as children yeah. and and they were becoming mini adults and so Mary was like no no, no. like you're not mm-hmm. adults I'm gonna show you how to be imaginative you don't have to be realistic and she I, I feel like it was more there was more that needed to be done for the children this time around for Michael and and Jane it was like they had to remember how to be children too like they were adults but they had to remember how to be children and the children were acting like adults and they had to be told no you're children you can be imaginative and you don't have to worry about the bills or anything like that's your parents job 
and the music in both uh is is really great um i i really i really like it and um i think they they added like a few things in the stage musical they did i wish i could remember specifically what but i know it's slightly yeah it's slightly different i remember from the movie they had stay awake yes they had stay awake that was taken out and i love to laugh that was taken out too yeah so there was there's been a few songs added a few songs taken away but yeah fun times okay just staying on the uh we already have a a stage musical train we'll jump to uh newsies Yeah, Newsies is a good one. Well, it's also Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, like, already when you have Disney, your your expectations are high. Yes. <laughs> is actually one that I didn't expect to like as much. It's not, it's a bit more of a, I wouldn't say mundane story, but it's, it's like, it's, it's exciting in, in, in one way, but also it's, it's very like set where it is. It's not this big mm-hmm. like grand new grandiose story. It's just yeah. Like, it's like, not like thing. fantastical. Ex- exactly, exactly. But I think that they made it. They made it work really well on stage because, well, first of all, the the choreography is like insane. Oh my gosh, good. it's so good. Yeah, they those those tap numbers and those flips they do and everything. It's so great and. That's what makes it, it come just, alive, I think, is the exactly. is the choreography and the dance in it. Yeah, and there's also just some really good, like, emotional songs, like Santa Fe, that's mm-hmm. probably the most popular ones, and, like, Seize the Day. And there's just, like, good group numbers. And, yeah, like, the story components are in there and everything, but I honestly think it's the music that makes it come alive, mm-hmm. which is uh what a musical should do absolutely and i um i like that in the original film directed by kenny ortega our man who gave us high school musical anyway um (laughs) that's uh i like that in the original musical uh, or the original movie they still were able to focus on more than one character obviously like um Christian Bale is the main guy (laughs) Um, but as we sort of discussed in previous episode musicals that are translated to movies tend to have a bit of an issue with cutting character (laughs) storylines yeah yeah because when they change it to a movie I find they start um they're like what can we cut to not make it as long or what can we take out to focus more on something else which can be problematic for the movie because then you're not giving enough time to certain characters that really mm-hmm. should be given more time with the audience to un- like yes. understand their I don't know their perspective or like what they're feeling or thinking and when you take that away there's just a bit of a disconnect between us and the character and it's just like well how do you how do I how do I uh, connect with the character if there's not enough story build up yeah. on the character? Exactly. Again, I think because it started as a movie, they didn't they didn't have to like, you know, 
cut certain characters or cut songs or whatever the way they do with musicals obviously like there was a development process and i'm sure they wrote more songs and more characters that were cut and this and that but Mm -hmm. like at least when it's a movie first you have nothing else to compare it to exactly yeah you're not yeah when you have the the stage first then you and it's like a let's say it's like a really good music on stage you expect the same for the movie but yeah, you don't have that same expectation. You're mm-hmm. you're just going with it. You're like, it's either gonna be. I mean, most of the times it is really gonna be a good musical, but mm-hmm. you're not as, um, I guess, concerned. <laughs> yeah, like you're you don't have your your hopes yeah. high to be then dashed. <laughs> the movie kind of reminded me of um, Guys and Dolls a little bit, and although they're different eras i still like i don't know i guess because guys and dolls kind of has that like brotherhood true aspect to it and um this is my hot take on it the women mm-hmm. have like zero purpose in the story oh, I know. um it's probably not yes. that much of a hot take it's probably pretty clear to anybody who watches it but yeah and obviously newsies has like no women in it like well, I forget her name. Oh, yeah. Um the sister. Oh my God. The sister. Yeah. Of of yeah. the That's her. Yeah, of the the main guy's best friend. Oh, there's another woman in it in in Newsies. There's um oh. the like nightclub theater owner lady. I don't remember yeah. her name. I feel like it's only time that we talk about not as good movie musicals yeah um i guess okay so greatest showman let's talk about greatest showman i know a lot of people really like this show and i'm not gonna say that i don't like it but there's a lot of things i would change like that don't make sense and it's one of those times where you're like Disney, you did it again. You did it again. Because sometimes, you know, Disney can have really, really great musicals, as we know, with Mary Poppins, with Newsies, with High School Musical 2. And one and three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, one and three are good, too, but High School Musical 2 is the best one. We all know this. Okay, anyway. So, but sometimes there can be ones that don't really make or, a lot of sense. Or, um, or are really lacking in the, the plot department, but are much better in the song department, yeah. such as The Greatest Showman. Yes, yes, exactly. Great songs, but... This is okay, they glorify P.T. Barnum, yeah. which... As so much. we all know, <laughs> is not historically accurate. He was kind he of was a... not the greatest showman. No, he was not the greatest showman. He was kind of a terrible guy. He was a loser showman. Um, <laughs> okay, one thing I think they should have done was focused more on Zac Efron and Zendaya's relationship. Absolutely. Because, because that was the best part. It Honestly, it was. It was interesting, and like they had a whole historical, like, element to this about how that was a big no-no but i don't i don't know if they really emphasized it enough like no how 
like how detrimental it would have been because they kind of did what Disney does and they're like oh this is this was bad in the past but now but by the end of the movie they break the stereotypes and things are changed and like realistically no that wouldn't have happened they would not have been able to be together it was literally illegal and they only got they only got the one song and I feel like they should have had another song or something more to build the relationship because it, it, it again I feel like it did what those things that movie that movies do and they kind of they built the relationship on glances and it's like no yeah relationships are more than flirty glances you glances don't make up for plot no <laughs> exactly yeah i mean like as good as rewrite the stars was as a a, a dance or whatever acrobat acrobatic number mm-hmm. like come on you need to have you need to build up the relationship and Honestly, the first time I watched it, I guess the whole point of the racist aspect kind of just went over my head. Because, like, I, I realized, like, oh, there's some, like, okay, okay, there's something going on. But because they barely touched on it and they made it really weird, they mm-hmm. weren't, it wasn't very overtly, like, it's because Zendaya is black. It was just, it, it, it was more so just the fact that she was this, like, uh, what do they call it? The circus freaks. It was more so about that. Yeah. The fact that like, okay, there's something else going on here. But I feel like for children, especially, they probably would only realize it from the, the oh, she's a freak perspective, mm-hmm. not the racist perspective, which I don't really understand why they didn't go more into that. Because as sad as it is, they could have done more with that perspective. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's also just an important thing to talk about. And I get that it's like it's a kid's movie and like you don't want to make kids feel hopeless or anything. But like it, it doesn't it doesn't have to you don't have to make them feel hopeless. I think you just have to help them understand like the gravity of the situation. And maybe yeah. by the end, like um, like Zendaya and Zach can still end up together in the end. If that's what if you want to have a happy Disney ending. Sure. But like. It, it was a reality for for people back then, and like racism still exists today. And I feel like that's something you should talk about and not gloss over. Yeah. Um, and rewrite the stars. Great song. We can keep yeah. that in. Like, I'm not saying cut that song by any means. I'm just saying, like, but, like build on it. Build on it. <laughs> ha- let them have another song. Yeah. The fact that they literally only had the one. Like, that's also pretty unlikely for an actual musical. If it was on stage, they'd have a good, like, three or four songs at least. But like you said, they kind of, they made, like, her like her and her brother's race, like, more of, like, it's it's a circus freak thing than, like, it's, it's yeah. just. Yeah. It didn't read as overtly racist, which it yeah. could have very easily. On to the uh, the quote unquote freaks themselves. Um, they had this whole. They had like these like empowerment songs like "This Is Me," "Look Out," "Cause He Rock." Like okay, right? <laughs> but then, did we address like anything about no <laughs> anything about these no. freaks? No, like <laughs> Barnum collected no. them, and then he's like, "We're now family." This is me. He profited. Yeah, he profited like it off of them. Like you need to build on mm-hmm. the 
the freaks more because like we just skipped over the part where they became this family and they accepted themselves and they felt like all empowered and stuff like that because we really like you get to the end of the film and you really don't know anything about these like i'm sorry for lack of a better word like circus freaks we don't know we don't know anything about them yeah you literally don't like you see them all and i think the only one who really got the big moment was um the bearded lady yeah but you literally don't know anything else about any of the other ones except the the traits that make them different Mm -hmm. you literally don't know any yeah like you just see him like collecting them they literally don't even talk they're they just they just sing yeah as background like excuse me and (laughs) that's rude (laughs) yeah and they they confront they confront barnum at one point like i remember when he's he's like dining with high society or whatever and they come in and then he's like leave and then they're like oh so we're not a family anymore too good for us and i was like we're getting somewhere here we have a confrontation but where was the (laughs) build-up i feel like watching it i was just really mad at barnum also because he he didn't have a full affair but there is that aspect too oh yeah and then yeah so you're already like really pissed off at barnum but then but then you feel really bad for the the family because they're obviously getting mistreated as well. But then it comes to that everything gets wrapped up in a nice pretty bow and everything's okay again and let the circus on with the show. So mm-hmm. it felt very like um, the like the Disney treatment. So mm-hmm. yeah, and on to um, um, the the opera singer. Yeah. Okay. First of all, love tightrope. That's a good song. I'm here I for it. Know. Um. And yeah, I feel like they could have done something better, different with the affair, because, like you said, he didn't have a like real affair, no. but it was. It was just. It was a scandal. Yeah, it was a scandal, and I feel like they should have just tackled that better. And I feel like okay, if you were to make it into a stage production. If you show Barnum as not the greatest showman um, and, like, actually who he is, then people, like, won't like – they won't like him. They won't be rooting for him. So when he has the, like, the scandal, you don't have to make it so he has a real affair. It can be fake, but then the wife can believe that it's real because he's such a bad person. Yeah. Oh, now that you can bring that up, it's – okay, not – it's kind of funny that Pasek and Paul are also written the music because – as we know with Dearman Hansen, they also did, they gave him the redemption arc at the end. It's just like, after everything that Evan did, all of a sudden, like, you don't really see much of the fallback. You just kind of believe that everything was okay, even though there was still, like, you know, problems. But at the end, it was very much that he was, um, yeah, like, redeemed for what he did. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I don't know why musicals always have to make it so the character at the end um, gets that redemption. Because honestly, sometimes they don't deserve. Yeah, it. it's not warranted. See, I'd rather them like leave everything and just go change their identity <laughs> and move move somewhere else. Like I'd honestly sometimes rather them not be rewarded in the end. Yeah, and. Again, I think the reason why they have that is because it is a Disney movie. Yeah. And it's for kids. And, you know, 
they want to give kids a happy ending like you can still do that but I just feel like there was a lot of like other plot holes and things that need to be changed along the way and it's again it's kind of hard it's kind of problematic with a person like Barnum because he really he really wasn't a good guy maybe it just comes down to the fact that we're still telling stories about people who shouldn't maybe like okay well I'm not saying we shouldn't tell stories about people who like have done bad things but we shouldn't be glorifying their stories you can you can still tell their stories in a historically accurate way without leaving them out um but yeah I think it's just I think it just I think it kind of just comes down to that like glorifying the story of somebody like who should be glorified make a musical about Barnum and also on top of that like circuses in general are not my favorite so mm-hmm. like did you really have to make a musical about a man who's very much documented as not at all being a good person and making him out to be a good person when in reality he really wasn't and also like then you're dealing with these other themes that you don't really explain enough and it's like well did you really have like I was excited at first for the musical because the music sounds really good. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a good show like La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> but um, then it just, it very much felt short. Mm-hmm. And like, it's still a fun movie if you're literally just watching it for the music. But if you're watching it for the plot, it's non-existent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a plot, but there's a lot of, there's just a lot of like gaps where you're yeah. like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, so we're here now. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they lost, like, yeah, like when they lost everything in that fire, it was like, uh, I'm pretty sure that would take a really, really long time to rebuild. And also, people were still like suffering from like smoke inhalation. <laughs> so I don't think they would be okay right away. But Okay, another thing I had, like, a a big issue with, and other people may not feel the same way, but a bit of the costuming and a bit of the language and stuff like that was just not, like, it was supposed to be 1800s, and I just, for the life of me, could not tell what era it was supposed to be. Oh my god, I know. I know, I totally, I totally um, feel the same. Yeah, I just, like, like I remember this one line where the, where the mother was like, oh, she's such a prima donna, and I was like, did they say that back then? Like, how old? What? When did this phrase come about? And it just like totally took me out of it. Again, I get you're trying to make it like more. You're trying to like bring it forward, like make sense in our time, and you're trying to make kids understand and stuff like that. But if you're setting it in a time, you need to stick to that time because there's exactly. certain like social context, social rules, things that happened, things that inform the story when it's set in a certain time so if you set it in like 1900 or in 1835 you better stick to it because it 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 says something it changes the story if if you would like to have it all be inclusive and lovely and wonderful then set it in 2020 or 2021 yeah like and if you are if you're making it current in quotation marks current then Make it that way. Don't make it seem like it's still set in the whatever it was, the 1900, whatever it was. 
So if you're mixing timelines for a purpose, I'm all here for that. Like, because sometimes like it can communicate something really important. Um, but I think just especially with who Barnum was and the context of everything and they're doing the whole like racism thing and with like Zach and, and Zendaya because you're doing that it's it's necessary for it to be set back then um and you know what even when you watch like films from like 50s 60s 70s 80s like today you watch it and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe that was acceptable to say to do you watch it with the context of today those old movies and you're like wow things have changed so much like that's no longer acceptable I think though you can you can get away with it a little bit more on stage Mm -hmm. again maybe for kids like they they need that like translation of like okay that was accept that was acceptable back then but it's not acceptable now but at the same time children are actually really smart I know I feel like people don't give enough credit Mm -hmm. like when I was taking my um theater for young audiences classes like the the literally the first thing that was said was children aren't stupid so don't treat yeah, them like they are exactly. you don't need don't to make down yeah you don't need to dumb it down for them like they can actually understand way more than you think they can but i think there's ways to do that without like ruining the historical context of it yeah true i actually now they like i almost wonder what the show would look like if it was um accurate to the historical context i feel like in a way that might have actually mm-hmm. like think about it if you have the if you call it like the greatest showman and then you show pt barnum like accurately and you're like whoa this guy is not the greatest showman he actually kind of sucks and then yeah. if you want to have the whole like family aspect of like the circus freaks or whatever maybe you write that in as a plot point and like you show how mm-hmm. like you know they're really being mistreated by him and by uh, like the guests who are coming to see them um and maybe they come together in their shared like and their shared pain and they're like you know what we're we're not nothing like we we are something and and even though they might say that like we know that's not who we are or whatever like if you want to throw something in like that sure because i (laughs) i see this very quickly becoming a doom and gloom show if you go down the route of like Mm. barnum being a, a bad guy um and if you want to yeah. keep it a children's Listen, show, I can see, like, you keeping, like, that sort of aspect of it and, and we just kind of accepting that, like, okay, maybe that's not how it actually was, but, like, we don't want to, you know, depress children. Yeah, I just think, like, if they keep it as is, I feel like, I'm not going to lie, people might just boycott the show out of spite, <laughs> out of knowing that he's, like, really not a good guy. Yeah. And, yeah. But if they present it in a way where no he's not a good guy then maybe that would make it a better show actually because better in the sense that if you have to tell it maybe tell it that way but sometimes it's like not a bad mm-hmm. thing seeing a bad person not gonna lie and it makes for an interesting yeah it's it's interesting like and i think it would be cool to see like this guy who maybe started uh... off with really good intentions and then just went down this path yeah. and you're like, whoa. And like you mm-hmm. see where he is at the end. Like watching him like that, that could be exactly. really, really interesting. Yeah. And if they if they 
ever decide to do a stage, which I know they had a long time ago, like not a long time ago, but like after the movie came out, they talked about doing it on stage. They were like, now now I'm wondering, is Mm -hmm. it going to be a good idea? But I think if they, yeah, it could. And if they do it on stage, I think that they could elaborate on things a little bit more than they did in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I think I said from the, my first watch of it, it it would work better on stage. It it just would. Yeah. And they had a lot of like CGI and like weird stuff like that. And to be honest, I didn't True. like it. It didn't look that good to me. It no, took me I out of it, and I was like, "But if this was a set, if this was like a background, if this was a psych or something like that, I'm here for it. I, I'm I'll I'll dive right into. But yeah." Okay, um, I think we should talk about La La Land. La La Land. La La Land. <laughs> we love La La Land. We do. Um, La La Land happens to be my favorite movie, so I'm going to throw that in there and say maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I'm going to try to be um, critical. as critical as I can be. <laughs> I think Alin is one of those unique, kind of unexpected, really, really good movie musical original mm-hmm. movie musical is that there is no stage. I don't even think they have any plans of doing a stage version. Honestly. Not that they should, though. Yeah. Maybe a, con- a concert would be okay, but I don't think they should, like, I don't think they need to make it a musical. I agree. I don't think it needs to be made a musical on stage. I think it works so well as a film. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it it blends film and theater musical so well. And other people may disagree, but that's my opinion. And I think it could work well as a musical. But I think you I think you lose an aspect of, of it if you yeah of it because yeah if you put it on stage specifically for this one because it's all about like hollywood and film and stuff like that and so i think right. it's uniquely situated to be a musical on film if that makes sense yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean it's in la <laughs> <laughs> it, it it has exactly like i think the movies about film slash hollywood itself I think yeah sometimes there's a weird like disconnect i guess where i don't know it can it can either be really good or really bad but i think i think when you bring in the musical aspect of la la land it makes it this very fun and good movie yeah i agree and i think i think it really brings in the the aspect of like this idealistic like dreamer sort of feel to it situation like and uh, and I think that's a main thing they're trying to get across in it is that like people who come to LA are dreamers and like you hear it in another day of sun yeah um like you you sit in the theater the theater and you see the the people on screen and you're like I have to be a part of it I have to do it I have to go there and it I, I could be brave or just insane um and yeah, and I, I feel like the, the music and the dancing and everything just really highlights um, the 
that whole like dreamy idealistic aspect of chasing your dreams and doing something that like a lot of people feel is um really unrealistic um yeah and i'm not saying it's not hard or anything but it's it's just unconventional and i think it's the songs are also uniquely situated to like um mia and sebastian falling in love true Mm -hmm. and like how that can kind of feel like romantic yes Mm -hmm. romantic and dreamy and I, i just yeah i feel like the songs just feed into these themes like the fact that that both me and Sebastian are dreamers they both have these dreams that they want to accomplish yeah. um and love and like how they have this strong bond and this love for each other and yeah and you also while watching you well talk about the ending in a sec but when it you are watching like as you watch it you also kind of are thinking like what's gonna happen like are they gonna end up together are they gonna mm-hmm. are they gonna reach or achieve their dreams so i think there's um also the the what if aspect all the music and everything like up until the end is very like idealistic yeah. until like that certain point where like mia's like one woman show fails and then sebastian's like off in the band and their relationship breaks down and then and then he he comes back and he's like no i'm gonna drive you to the audition and then we find out she gets it and stuff like that. And I think, like, in that moment, like, up until then, it's very dreamy and idealistic. And then something, like, wakes you up. Takes you out of the dream. I guess it's sort of like real life. It, it takes you out of the dream and you, you're you faced with reality and what do you do with that? And then I think the fact that they don't end up together in the end, yes, it's tragic. And I know, like, the first time I watch it and the you're first time kind of shocked. anybody who talks to me who watches it they're like oh yeah. i hate the ending and i'm like no no let it sit let it yeah. sit with you it's it's gonna make sense and you're gonna yeah. like it because it, it the fact that they don't end up together in the end it is perfect because, because it's realistic because yeah because it's realistic because in real life sometimes when you're uh, trying to achieve your dreams you lose you other don't things in you the process. yeah you don't get everything you have to pick and choose um what what you want okay let's say they did get the let's say they did get together what then would they still be in the same positions where they are would she end up in the, as this big uh, mega movie star and rich and famous and would he even be in his band or would he abandon his dream in favor of her dream in the what if they that's what i think that's what they show that she goes off to paris and achieves her dream, but he doesn't get to focus on himself, and he doesn't get to achieve his dream. Yeah, definitely a 180 there, but I think, yeah, I mean, I just, I love how you're not really sure if the the dreamy, like, thing at the end, if it's just them imagining, or if it's what actually happened, but then when it pans back to them, and then you're like, oh, whoa, that was, that was really cool how they did that, and then it it wasn't it the the yeah the the reality takes over and then yeah but like in a sense so mia still gets her her desired uh, ending her like um her dream comes true so as you we were saying before what about like the happy ending sometimes they don't need to get the same 
ending you assumed would happen because that actually makes for a much more interesting story. Because if, if everything went as planned, then I think in a sense that's not very realistic of the, the Hollywood experience anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it sort of goes against the Hollywood tropes of like happy endings themselves like it's a movie about hollywood but it's not a happy ending and it's like you know they end up together in the end they kiss and they make up and like you know they they run they run to the rainbow and and you know the story ends and everything's perfect and well and good and i think the fact that they don't do that they do like they they totally subvert your expectations of because the whole time they're giving you this like Hollywood dream, this Hollywood narrative, and they're like, just kidding. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> and I think that's why it shocks you so much. Right. It's very much like right person, wrong time. Absolutely. Where maybe if they had, maybe if they had, if they hadn't met at all, I think also they probably wouldn't have been in the positions they were in in the end. But if they had maybe met after, then maybe they would have been together but that would have been a very different story so and um and something my mom pointed out too is that like um you know like their relationship was not for not they were meant to be together because like she she gave him the logo for his bar that he ended up or his club that he ended up using and 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 he drove her to the audition yeah and i think also because um moment like at other moments when you're watching yes during the the I can't remember the the number, the one where they're like in the um the observatory. Um that's very dreamy in and of itself. So I think that sets that like the dreamy mm-hmm. aspect already of the like, is it really happening? And then it comes in the end and then it it brings back that like, are they really together? Are they not? And then Yeah, like would they still have achieved their dreams? Would things still have happened the way they they were supposed to happen like we don't know we can't say um and i I really like that the the what if dream sequence at the end is so very like theater and unrealistic and you can like you can see the cameras and you can see the people running around and everything i think it really brings that like the uh the hollywood like on set aspect to life and and it really like brings forward the 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 theater aspect of it so well and i just yeah i think it works so well i think it it looks so good and just but yeah i think Mm -hmm. if they yeah i think in a way if they ever decided to do a stage version Mm -hmm. of well in i don't know if they could well i mean you're getting rid of the entire film aspect so I don't know if they could translate it the same. I think they could do something else and make it really good because the music is also super, super good. Like, it's such a good soundtrack. But and it would have been, I think it would, it would be too confusing on stage because of how many, like, different, um, the, the time frame in the movie, it's, like, very, it's, like, the seasons. No, yeah. I think that's one of those, one of those situations where... It's uniquely situated to film. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, sometimes you could do that on stage where it also, like, doesn't really matter what 
time you're in but I think if you're setting it with the time it it can get confusing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it I think it could still work on stage. But yeah, definitely some things would have to be adjusted. And I think maybe some things just wouldn't. Because yeah, I think film is just for this particular one film is the best medium to tell this story. I think I think we've said all we need to say here. I feel like we've covered mixing like mediums. We've covered it all. We have we have certainly covered mixing mediums from all the perspectives. Well, two perspectives. I'm sure we could continue to go on and on and on about this, but we won't. Uh, but I think maybe we'll do some some like maybe film, TV, something else. Um, take a little bit of a break from the musicals. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Follow us on Instagram at Cenophile Podcast for info, updates, and fun posts. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll be putting out new episodes bi-weekly on Fridays. And end of show, go!